welcome to the York Story Slam podcast, where we feature select stories from our monthly open mic storytelling events in York, Pennsylvania. On April 18th, 12 storytellers shared their stories with our audience at Archetype Pizza in downtown York. The theme for our April Story Slam was Other Duties as Assigned. We heard stories about going above and beyond at work, stepping outside of your comfort zone, and the beauty, sometimes, of the unknown. In the end, we had a tie. Our first winner was Nick, who shared his story about flexing his muscles beyond his IT role. So, being in IT, a lot of the times you're tasked with things that don't really fall under what you're supposed to be doing during the day. And it's fine, because you work at a small business and they're understaffed, and get going. So this is when I am fresh out of school. I went to YTI in York, got my first job at a small business here in York. It is no longer around, unfortunately. Um, But one of the things that I remember having to do, small business, and it was basically me and one other guy taking care of IT for this whole organization. Um, For those who aren't familiar with IT, it's a lot of shit you have to do. But we had this one new sales manager come in. And all we had heard through our sales reps that are around the country and some of the things that we hear from, like, you know, questionable things he says, he's kind of getting himself into some trouble. And our security for the building is non-existent. So when they pull him in to the HR office and finally give him the pink slip... I get a little on my office door, and they're going, hey, do you have a minute? We need your help with something. And mind you, this is, I don't know, some number of years ago. I wasn't this size. I was more kind of this sized, (laughs) but still this tall. So I get pulled in with his HR lady as they are actively firing this man who is bigger than me by about two to three times. And they said, hey, we're kind of afraid because we're small and we're all women and he's being fired for being weird to women. Can you walk him out of the building? Okay. I don't know why I make you feel safe, but... <laughs> and just that, that moment has lived with me since, since doing it, because I just remember being this scrawny little IT man who lives in his office, unless there's a fire, next to what I can only remember being Butterbean. And I'm walking him out of the building, past everybody. And no one else knows yet. So like, oh, hey, what's going on? I'm like, oh, hello. <laughs> Nothing to see here. Normal activities are happening. So the takeaway from this, if you ever really need something done, call IT. We got your back. Nick earned a spot in our Grand Slam in November. Our second winner was Sarah, who shared a messier side of being a dog mom. So my brother is 13 years younger than me. 
So growing up, it was easier to fall into like a caretaker child role um, than a traditional like brother sister. And so the number of times that I have caught his vomit in my hands <laughs> is really about what you would imagine for that relationship. Um, most memorably in a hotel pool once that I then had to go and explain to the receptionist that I had caught like most of it, but not all of it. Um, in the Cancun airport, uh, after he drank a milkshake and then just like looped it right back up all over the cup and tray. Um, I don't have kids of my own, uh, but I do have a dog. Uh, a couple years ago, we adopted our first dog, Xena. And every so often, I do encounter situations where I think, is this really what I signed up for? And one just happened a couple months ago. Uh, and we were outside in the yard on a Thursday evening, and Xena was squatting to pee and then just like staying there for like, 30 seconds. And we're watching her do this, and we're like, that's not normal. That's not a, what she normally looks like when she pees. And we're kind of thinking, like, what, like what's going on with her? And so we whipped out our phones uh, to Google. Uh, and I don't always Google for medical questions, uh, but when I do, I like to really go deep. So <laughs> within five and a half minutes, uh, I knew that if it was a complete urinary blockage, she would be dead in three to five days. And so we're like, me and my boyfriend are kind of like talking to each other, like, do we call the vet? Like, it's after hours on Thursday. Do we call the emergency vet? Do we keep like Googling and like thinking we'll find like, it's not that, it's this, and we can all calm down? I'm trying to take a break from like the WebMD of veterinarians and I'm scrolling through Reddit and there are like photos of senior dogs and I'm like, what if my dog never makes it to be a senior dog? <laughs> so we decide to sleep on it and see what she's like in the morning and the next morning I call the vet and I'm trying to explain to the receptionist, like she just crouches, man, and then she just stays there and she's like, ma'am, I am a receptionist, and <laughs> you can either have an appointment or not. So we decide to take the last appointment on a Friday evening, 7.30. This is like 8 o'clock in the morning. I still have to go to work. And so I go to work, but I'm like working and also texting everyone I know and talking to all my coworkers to be like, she just pees for 30 seconds, man. And they're like, yeah, that's a UTI. Like, dogs get UTIs. And I'm like... Oh, oh. So I had uh, enough calm to work through the rest of the day. And we get home. I get home from work. It's 4.30. We still have three hours before we're going to the vet. And we decide to take our dog on a walk. And I'm thinking, like, maybe I'll see something in her that gives me some other kind of clue. So we're taking her on a walk, and she stops to take a poo. And I get this, like, light bulb in my head of, like, when she poops... I'm sure it will give us a clue as to what's going on. So she does her business, and I'm like, <laughs> really, really watching her. And she steps away, and I go in with like the, the bag inside out on my hand and pick it up, and I'm looking at it, and like, like in and out, like what's in here? And there is something in her poop that's not supposed to be there. And so I'm like smearing it with my hand. Like I'm really in there and I'm like holding it up to my boyfriend. Like, what do you think it could be? It looks like a red onion skin. 
And I'm like, well, shit, like dogs aren't supposed to eat onions. Like that could be like causing an issue. And I'm, I'm smearing it and I'm looking closer and it's not a red onion skin because it's a little bit waxy. And I hold it up and my boyfriend says, that's the wrapper from a Lebanon Bologna. <laughs> And he tells me that he had unwrapped uh, a Lebanon bologna snack uh, earlier that week, and he had put it in the trash, but I guess all of it didn't get in in the trash. And so Zena had sniffed it out, pulled it out, what was hanging out of the trash, and eaten it, and then digested it and pooped it out. So we go to the vet, and in my head, I'm like, do I tell my vet that my dog has eaten a Lebanon bologna wrapper and like maybe that could be impacting her? And the, the vet's like, you know, has she, has she eaten her normal food? Yes. Like, how's her energy? He's like palpating her bladder. She's really fine. She doesn't seem in pain. And so I say like, like no, we're just gonna like keep that secret between me and Zena and my boyfriend. Uh, and he, they put her on antibiotics. She's on it for two weeks. She's fine after like a day. Dogs really do just get UTIs. Uh, and so the mystery of like, did the Lebanon bologna play a part in this role? Like one will never know. Uh, but if I need to add to my resume, the bodily fluids I have interacted with, I have one more to add. Sarah also earned a spot in our Grand Slam in November. Our next story comes from Jamie Beth who told her story about experiencing loss as a school administrator. I've had a lot of really interesting jobs that came with very specific assignments. Like, oh, I don't know, I've answered the phone when Mikhail Rishnikov calls, except he just says it's Misha, and you have to like know that he's really important. Or Paul Simon, the musician, not the senator, although equally important when they call on the phone. Um, or Pele. I love taking calls from Pele. So very interesting jobs, very specific assignments. And um, w w one, one thing that I'm not is a teacher. Now, there are lots of teachers in this room, and I respect you all so much because I am an extrovert and I am a writer. So one would think I would make an excellent teacher. And I love to do drop-ins a day at a high school here, a day at a college here, but every day after day after day, getting up in front of sometimes snotty middle school students or two cool high school students or really checked out college students, I don't know how you do it. Um, I have worked at a lot of schools though, interesting. Uh, usually in administrative roles, um, often managing students as volunteers, tour guides, office help. I actually really love teens. I just don't have the stamina to stand in front of them day after day after day after day. So in uh, Los Angeles, I was working at a private high school. My husband is a teacher and was teaching day after day after day after day. And I had two assigned jobs. I ran our financial aid program because we were a private high school, which meant dealing with parents and numbers. Great, loved it, wonderful. And I was the assistant, I was the executive assistant to the head of school, dealing with adults and a lot of numbers. It's fine, loved it. So uh, right around Valentine's Day when uh, my daughter Nora was uh, 
about six months old, uh, a friend was coming over to watch her so that my husband and I could go to brunch. It wasn't actually Valentine's Day um, because she had plans on Valentine's Day. So we were like going to do brunch the day before and she'd watch our kid for us. And I'm getting ready, six month postpartum body. I have a skirt on, which I think might get me through the day. And I'm trying to figure out what top to put on. I just have a bra on and my phone rings and I pick up, and it's one of the other teachers. And she tells me that the girls she's on a dance team trip with have told her that one of our students has died. And she doesn't know what to do. She's like in a hotel room full of crying high school students. So she called me. But I didn't know what to do. And I got to be honest, the kid she's talking about He's the first kid you'd think would fake his own death. I'm sorry, there's no way around it. I was like, um, are you sure? And she's like, yeah, I'm pretty sure. And I'm like, then I start yelling at her. I don't know if you've ever gotten news of a sudden death, but like it does something to you. And I'm like, no, you're wrong. Tell them to stop saying that. And she's like, Jamie, I've already like done this cycle. Like, I'm pretty sure. And I was like, okay, I'll call you right back. So I get off the phone with her. Again, I'm just like in a skirt and a bra, and I'm feeling really vulnerable, but I'm also feeling incapable of putting clothes on. And I call my boss, the head of school, and he picks up and he said, you heard. And that's when I knew it was for real. So this kid who everybody loved, the first kid out there to fake his own death, but just for the laughs, is gone. And another one of our students was driving the car that crashed and killed him and another one of the students was in the car with them riding shotgun. So now I have to call the other teacher back on the dance trip and say, yep, it's right, here's my boss's number, he wants you to call him and deal with him directly. At which point my friend, who had a key to my place, lets herself in and I am crying and I am wearing just a skirt and a bra and she's like, divorce? No. So like I try to tell her what's going on. I I think I'm unintelligible. All I know is that she brings me a t-shirt that doesn't match my skirt. But hey, guess what? We're not fucking going to brunch. So it doesn't matter. And I spend the rest of the day essentially rolling calls. I was the executive assistant to the head of school who had just lost a student in a car crash being driven by another one of our students with another one of our students in the car. I was not prepared for those duties, and no one assigned them to me. They just happened. A couple hours later, my, my husband and I get back on the phone with my boss, and he said, is this your first? And we were like, like our first student to die? Yes. And he goes, oh, it's my 16th. And I said, OK. that." That put it into a little perspective. The next night, we gathered a bunch of the students at one of the other teachers' houses. And again, no one really knew what to do except to be together. But then the news crews showed up. And let me tell you, if there's an unassigned job that you want to give to me, it's protecting a bunch of high school students she loves from the fucking news. I knocked that shit out of the park. And what I learned from that experience 
is something I carry with me to this day, which is anything can happen to anyone at any time, and it doesn't matter what your role is if you can offer the situation something. Our final story on this month's podcast comes from Jason, our running champion and best storyteller in York, who talks about reuniting with an impactful person later in his career. I'm the photographer for Penn State Health, and part of that is I cover five, ho- five hospitals, medical groups, and other organizations who are umbrellaed underneath Penn State Health, which include an organization called Four Diamonds. Four Diamonds is an organization that basically, when a child gets cancer, they raise the funds that pay for all the medical bills. Like anything that's not covered by insurance, they cover everything. So any child that comes into the children's hospital and is being treated for cancer, the, the priority is that the parents have so much more to worry about with their child's health that why should they have to worry about the money aspect of it? It's a great organization. And so partly of what I do to help with them is a couple times a year, we bring like kids who are in the various stages of treatment down to the studio with their family, and we, we do all these portraits. Some of them are family portraits. Some of them are the kids being goofy, and you know we use them for promotions, but they're also for the families. So every half an hour for eight hours during the course of the day, they'll bring in a new child and a family, and they come down, and we have fun. And, and one day, um, a bunch of kids were coming in, and then it was, the, it was toward the end of the day. And they brought this one girl who came in. Her name was Celia. And they, she came in in a wheelchair. She had a, a tube in her nose. And they wheeled her in. She had no hair. And she came in with her mom. And she had just been through a treatment. And she seemed very tired, but was eager to be there. So, you know, I have, a, I have like a backdrop. And you kind of roll it out. And so we had to kind of lift her up in the chair and put her in the space where the photos are. And, you know, she's doing everything we're asking her to do. She's holding the sign. She's smiling. I mean, you could tell she's tired, but, you know, she's, she's a trooper. You know, Celia keeps going. And um, her, then her mom comes in for some family photos. And that's when this girl, like, lights up. Like, you can tell, like, the mom and the daughter, like, just love each other so much. And my favorite photo of the day is this photo where they're kind of they're kind of leaning their heads in together and they their eyes are closed. And I'm just like, I just remember telling everyone after like that was the photo I kept telling people about. Like, oh, this family, Celia was amazing. So we do that every year. And then um, other things I do for for Diamonds is I cover what's called Thon. It's a it's a weekend where um, over 700. Uh, college students up at Penn State University, they literally stand up and dance for 46 hours. I mean, they don't dance the whole time, but they're on their feet or, you know, and they raise millions of dollars towards research and funds for these families so they don't have to pay their bills. And some of the other duties that I have for that is I do also video. So I came up with a video idea where I was like, you know, describe Thon in one word. So I'm going around with Thon, and I have my video camera, and I'm talking. Now, families are there, students are there, people from the hospitals. I mean, it's just, it's so jam-packed. And so I'm walking around, anyone I can get to, describe Thon in a word, describe Thon in a word. And I'm going around, and I'm getting all these students and these people, and it's amazing, remarkable, but it's just, it's great, inspirational. It's very sweet. And then I'm like, I don't really have any Thon kids that I'm going. And so... Um, I'm walking around this one area where the families are hanging out, and I'm just looking for kids, and I'm just standing around, and this, this girl's walking toward me with who I think is her mom, 
and she's got like a tutu on and a cape and a mask. And this is this is still around COVID. This is like maybe a, a year or two after COVID started when they started to bring people back and they'd wear a mask. And I, as I was walking closer, I overheard the woman say to the girl, she said, are you feeling okay? Are you tired? And she's like, yeah, I'm a little tired. And I'm like, oh, you know, I don't want to bother her, you know, because she seems like she's tired. But they noticed me as I'm like stepping closer and they turn to me and they say, can I, can I help you? And I said, and I told her what my idea was. And I said, I just wanted a word, like a word to describe Thon. And I said, but honestly, if you're tired, it's fine. And the girl like lit up and she was like, oh yeah, absolutely. You know, I'll do it. I'm like, really? I said, cool. So she had her mask on and everything. She had a cape. And I said, okay. I said, what's your word? She goes, amazing. And I said, that's great. But could you do me a favor? Could you spin, like with your cape, like start with your back to me, then spin and go, amazing. And I was like, she goes, yeah. She did it like three times. And I was like, oh, it was so much fun. And then I said to the woman, I said, oh, your daughter was great. She goes, oh, it's not my daughter. It's my aunt. This is her mom. Her mom's coming over. And I'm like, and I'm like oh, hey, I'm sorry. I, I thought this was her daughter and I got permission without... And I was explaining who I was and what I do. And she goes, Jason, it's me. It's Sarah. And I said, uh, she goes, you took my photo. And you took, you took Celia's photo. And I said, I'm sorry, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. She pulls out her phone and shows me the photo that I had bragged about to all my friends about this photo. I didn't even recognize Celia. This was a year afterwards. She was standing. She was, she had long blonde hair and it was like honestly even if she wasn't wearing a mask I would not have recognized her at all and I just remember thinking and I've covered Thon for about four or five years at that point that was probably the single greatest Thon moment that I had ever witnessed in my whole life and as far as other duties are assigned it was the best other duty that I ever had all the winners from this year's Open Mic Story Slam events will return at the end of the season to compete for the title of Best Storyteller in York at our Grand Slam. Updates on our events are available on our website, yorkstorieslam.com. And while you're there, you can sign up for our monthly newsletter. You can also follow us on Twitter at at YorkStorySlam, as well as on Facebook, and watch videos of all the stories from our events on our YouTube channel, we hope to see you on stage soon. Thanks for listening. This Story Slam podcast is produced by Catherine Roquet. Theme music composed and performed by David Wilson. <laughs>